Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Und läuft dann in Keeper Freisel rein. Iredale vollendet. 4 zu 0. Beste. Ball kommt in die Mitte. Und zu Kleindienst. Kleindienst. Güter. Linke Seite ist blank. Vielleicht. Ja, vielleicht. Vielleicht zieht er ihn in Salazar. Tor. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. On today's edition we'll be discussing all of the action from match day 24. It was an incredible weekend of Svarta Bundesliga football. Only one team in the top half of the table won on the weekend. The tables were very much turned. It was one for the bottom feeders to get back into the winning category and many teams did and those who didn't really face the consequences of what is going to be a very intense relegation battle. Let's start with one of the biggest games of the match day. It was Schalke against St. Pauli. St. Pauli with an, another opportunity to really extend their advantage atop of the Zweite Bundesliga table. For Schalke, it was clear. Again, the word crisis gets thrown around, but when you have the situation that they're in after what they produced the previous week in Magdeburg, you know, crisis becomes a pretty fair way to describe where the club was at at the present moment. It was talked pre before the game, um, many days before that, the players had a bit of a a heart to heart session. We 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 spoke about it last week, where Paul Seguin said he was he was sick of this shit and what was going on, but no one was really. It was all talk, not a lot of actionable um, situation happening for for Schalke. So it was quite interesting to see that that had happened. But even before the game started, um, before the teams were announced, there were some rumors of some interesting decisions to be made by Carol Gerrits, namely that Ron Schallenberg was going to move to centre-back. They were going to revert back to the 4-4-2, and, and Schallenberg would play alongside Callas. Timo Baumgartner was left out of the squad, and there's a good chance he's definitely leaving uh, Schalke at the end of the season. Uh, Martian Kaminsky was dropped to the bench, and we also got to see Yusuf Kadab Kabadai, who hadn't started since October, and we also saw the introductions of Brian Lazma and Simon Sarada leading the line for Schalke. It was really Schalke who dominated the game. Yes, the, the statistics showcased uh, St. Pauli had a lot more of the ball, but they didn't really do a whole lot with it. And Schalke took advantage just before the break, and X really... This was the theme of the game. It was direct balls that really undid St. Pauli in this match. Uh, a brilliant diagonal from um, Ron Schellenberg to Thomas Orvillian, who just keeps the ball in on the byline. An excellent cross into the box. Tarotta does the dummy, and Kabadai gets on the score sheet uh, to make it 1-0 at the break. And that play was just really systematic of the issues that St. Pauli would face throughout the game. In that situation, it's amazing that Kabadai was the one who got the ball because it was two on five in the box. You know, Saint pa you know Schalke weren't exactly you know throwing the kitchen sink in terms of player personnel into the box. And look, it's a wonderful dummy from Toronto, but there's just it's it's unbelievable. It, it, it was a sort of a fight, and that you know Kabadai was he he wanted the ball more. He got the ball. And 1-0 at the break. And he would score again in the second half, though a little bit fortuitously. Yes, again, another long direct ball. Keke top heads it on. Toronto's initial effort is saved by Nikolai Vasil. It ping-pongs in the box. And Kabadai is there on hand to get his second of the game and his fourth of the campaign. St. Pauli would get a goal back through Elias Saad, which took a wicked deflection, deceiving Marius Muller to make it 2-1. And with seven minutes of added time, it was um, squeaky bump time for Schalke. They knew that... They had to be resilient and hold on and, and try not to concede. But they did probably the best thing you could do in that situation, which was score. And this time it was a reverse of the second goal. This time it was Toronto heading on to Keke Top. Top just patience, showcased his patience, feeds it to Caraman, and Caraman with a first-time hit gets his ninth goal of the season. And on a weekend where... Teams in the relegation fight were picking up points. This was the perfect way to start the weekend for Schalke, who played this match on Friday night. A massive result. And yes, they've been yo-yoing between results. They definitely love the playing in front of the Felsen's Arena. Uh, even though they've won three of the last five, it's been very much up and down. 
So, as we say, there is no place like home. Under Carol Garrett, Schalke have won five of their have won five games of the eight meetings they've had under Garrett in uh, the 15 league um, appearances that he has been the coach. And it was his boldness and really, he was daring to, to really challenge St. Pauli um, rather than sort of producing an inferiority complex. And I think that was, it showed a lot about what kind of manager Garrett's can be. He's had to change a lot of the team quite often to find a system that works. And we, we know how much he prefers to play the with a back three and, and building, but he's, he's, he's a willingness to be flexible, to try and build with this team, which is not a great team, it has to be said. Um, showcases his quality. We saw Brandon Soppy play. He was, he was very good at right back until he had to come off. Um, Garrett said he was he just fatigued and, and had to put Brunner on and yeah, we could see it wasn't as stable so you know as Soppy continues to get match fitness we'll definitely see him play a bit more frequently but yeah a massive win for Schalke and we yeah we, we, we know what an important result that is but uh, I think it has to be said the Schallenberg-Kalas combination worked really well I thought Schallenberg's, uh was, was really good in the duels and it reminded me of what St. Pauli did many moons ago when they moved Eric Smith to, to centre-back in a back three, granted, where he was the ball-carrying centre-back. And and you could see that they were there were some elements of that, but, you know, Schalke were, especially with who they, they selected up front, a lot more direct balls. And, and look, St. Pauli didn't really know how to deal with that. And you can make the exception, okay, they lose Eric Smith 16 minutes in the game, and you could see they were just a little bit disorganised um, at the back. But I think the biggest indictment of St. Pauli's game was, and and the and Tim Tim Eckstein from the Militor basically you know produced the correct sort of analysis on this in my opinion. Um, they were a plan without solutions, and I don't think they were expecting Schalke were going to line up in this formation with that personnel, given you know they swung the changes, which was quite understandable. And perhaps a little bit of naivety in the way that they played the game. Granted, Schalke are easy pickings, and understandably, but they just the first half was just a strange sort of play from them. They stuck with Hartle playing in the number nine. It didn't really work. Um, so we saw them bring on Eggestein out at half time. They looked a little bit more cohesive in the offensive third when he came on. But you know he hasn't scored a goal since November. It's been a pretty lean spell. After that incredible, pur- excuse me, purple patch um, for Saint, you know, during the the Hinrunde, and he's really failed to to stru- to to find his feet um, since then. But yeah, I, oh, it wasn't good. They there just wasn't a lot of fight in Saint Pauli, and and they yeah they they, they just they didn't win the uh, the one percenters. Those duels they were they were comprehensively beaten in those. Um, and you could see defensively they were very vulnerable, um, especially the long balls. It's amazing how they were completely undone by just direct play. And you know, I guess it's it's such an interesting sort of byproduct that okay, so now we've got a situation where we've got two games to the international break for St. Pauli. Like losing this week was probably the best week to do it, given. Uh, how little teams in the top half were able to win. And, you know, they still maintain their five-point advantage at the top of the table. But they did show some vulnerabilities that teams can exploit. And we won't, we'll see if Herta will be one of those teams uh, coming up um, on Sunday. That's a World Food game at the Milan Tour. Then they've got Nuremberg away before the uh, international break for Schalke. They've got Paderborn at home and... Given their recent run of home form, they'll feel as if they've got an opportunity here to stretch away from the bottom three. They've got a nine. They've got sorry. They've got a five-point advantage over Eintracht Braunschweig, um, and we'll talk about them in Group Two. But uh, from direct relegation, they're seven points clear of Hansa Rostock. Uh, so they've got Paderborn, and then they're away at Hertha um, on that Sunday before the international break. Speaking of Hertha, let's talk about them. They welcomed Holstein Kiel and the other 
Friday night game. This was the World Feed game of choice, and fans were not disappointed. It was a really good performance from Herter, uh, and they got the jump on Kiel. It was a terrible mistake early on. Uh, Philip Zander trying to play back to Timon Viner. It was picked off by Harris Tabakovic, who rounded the goalkeeper and put the ball in the back of the net, and he would score a second just on the stroke of half-time. Initial shot coming into the box, saved by Viner, but Tabakovic was the first respondent to make it 2-0. I really feel like Kiel did much in the first half, but what they were doing was limiting the production of Fabian Rees. It was one of those games where Rees just couldn't get much into it, and it was Timo Becker who produced a stellar performance at right back. But almost sort of like the positive for that for Herter is that they were able to find a way to break down Kiel without, you know, Reza having to be the figure point in the match. And they had their opportunities to make it three or four nil. You know, Tabakovic had his effort. Kenny had that free kick that rattled the crossbar. Um, Prevoljak missed that unbelievable chance. And as as we know, this is the old adage of this podcast is if you don't take your chances, you'll be punished. And they were punished on 81 minutes when Finn Porat's effort took a unbelievable deflection, deceiving Tiak Ernst into the back of the net. And still, Herta had their chances to, to make it 3-1, to put the game out of reach again. And it was like 93 minutes. So there was eight minutes, there was five minutes of added time, which eventually became nine. Uh, Linus Gechter and Patrick Erash were in a, in a bit of a duel. And from like the naked eye, it looks like Gechter has cleared the ball into into oblivion. But Erash was very felt was pretty agitated that he felt he was fouled um, after two minutes of nothing. Bastian Dankert was called to the to the monitor, and there's one angle that is really inconclusive, and there's another angle that makes you doubt who was the one who kicked the ball, and 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 it was determined that. Gekta kicked the player in Erish, and Erish was the one who kicked the ball, which didn't seem... I don't know, maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me. Penalty given, Timo Becker scores 2-2 full-time. Um, yeah, I I, I almost... I, I sympathise for Hertha because they were easily the better team, and they were very good in front of goal. Their chances were, were quite strong, but they they were punished for, for, not, for not really killing the game and there are a few teams this match day who who had advantages and failed to kill the game off and I guess Schalke were sort of the exception in that you know they were able to hold on and actually increase the advantage back to two goals um, but yeah I don't I don't feel like Kiel were particularly good in the game they just stuck around and they made things a little bit uncomfortable and when you get the goal as as they did it started to, the psychology of, of how the game is played can weigh on. And it took a really unfortunate individual mistake, which in, in real time, to be fair, I mean, it's very unlucky. And, and and perhaps that might be something we do in the future because obviously everything gets slowed down and, and you're looking at every, you know, you know, micro picture of, you know, every single scene. And there were a few, there were a few decisions on this match day that, you have to question because I guess you 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 want to sort of take things on face value and and you know slowing things down. Yes, I understand why they do it, but we should also look at things in real time as well. Um, but yeah, it was really unfortunate for Herto. I thought they were the better team. Felt they should have won this game. They didn't. Um, and had they won this game, by the way, it would have put them on thirty six points and just on the edge of that sort of train between four and seven um, of teams that are in the hunt to chase down Hamburg in the promotional playoff spot. So it, it becomes a big missed opportunity and, and the next three games are, are quite tricky. St. Pauli away, we know is going to be a really difficult game. We know how hard it is to win at the Milan Tour and given the defeat on the weekend, they'll be desperate to get back to winning ways. And then Schalke at home, which is a massive game for both sides given the the perspectives of where they're at in the table and their current situations. Do you think Hertha will win that game given how how poor Schalke have been away from home and then it's Nuremberg on the return at home 
for a Saturday night kickoff game. That will be fun. Um, yeah, for Kiel, it was just a tough game. I mean, they were they they were punished for their own mistakes. It was a really unfortunate error from Zander, who'd returned to the starting lineup uh, for the first time this year, this calendar year. Um, but yeah, they, they they struggled. I think that there was a bit of a disconnect between the midfield and the defense. Hertha seemed to have real ease transitioning the ball into attacking areas. And they were just holding on. It felt like for a long time in the game, they were just holding on by a thread. But once they got the goal, they really kicked themselves into life. They put the pressure on on, on Hertha. And, and as a result, they get, they get a point, a pretty important point, given the results elsewhere in the league. It's, it's a massive result for them. It keeps them in second. They gain, albeit a point, on St. Pauli. And now we'll see what they can do. Their, their test coming up. A Karlsruhe at home. And now that will be a really interesting game. And then Elversberg away before the break. And then a date with Hansa Rostock on that Easter Saturday. Um, so some fascinating football to come. And it'll be really interesting to see um, how it pans out for Kiel. But uh, yeah, th- they definitely will feel like they've stole one. Uh, stolen a point from the capital. Sort of like a um, bit of an Italian job-esque um, performance. In uh, they, found, they found the cold and it's, they were able to take something home with them. So good result for Kiel. Let's talk about Hamburg now. Uh, they welcomed Osnabrück to the Volkspark Stadion. 57,000. A fantastic crowd. Also a very good away contingent. Osnabrück actually, fair play to them all season. It's been a tough campaign for them, but their fans have been there. They've brought a, a considerable contingent on the road, and uh, who wouldn't want to take the opportunity to go to the Volkspark Stadion when they can? Hoping to do that soon as well. And um, wow, what a result! Hamburg one, Osnabrück two, and it started on six minutes. It's an excellent free kick from Mikael Cuisant. Lucas Kunzer is completely unmarked at the back. And his first time volley beats Mattia Rab, who gets completely lost in his positioning. 1-0. Penalty before halftime for Hamburg. Robert, it was a, yeah. Penalty given Robert Glatzel scores. It's his 16th goal of the campaign. Then the game got a little bit silly. Uh, Maxwell Jamfi was sent off for a second yellow card for a foul on Ignaz van der Bremt. Oh, it's, maybe it's the action. But there's no contact. There, oh, it's, I think it's a terrible decision, in my opinion. I think Richard Hempel got it wrong, but I think VAR equally got it wrong. There's no contact. It is a clear dive for mine. Um, so Osnabrück go down to 10 men. And you would understand, after conceding just before the break, then going down to 10 men, that Osnabrück would kind of lie down and Hamburg will win this game. Because that's a very fair assumption of where both teams are at. But maybe there's some sort of dark art that Osnabrück have that other teams just don't have against Hamburg in the modern era. Because just before the 90 came up, Van der Bremt took a touch for some reason. It's a heavy touch. Robert Tescher gets in front. And Vanderbremt fouls, penalty, clear as day. And Mikael Cuisant steps up with credits for the high degree of difficulty for a penalty kick. It rattles the crossbar, hits the line, spins back into the goal, and there's your winner. Osnabrück have now won in the modern era. Now, so so the, the three seasons in the Spider Bundesliga they've had, they've beaten Hamburg four out of the six times. And they did the sweep this season with two different coaches. I mean, come on. Like, really? What is happening? They've got some dark jitsu or something. I don't know what kind of spirits they realm in. But um, what a massive win for them. It's the first time they've won back-to-back games this season. Only the third win of the campaign, so that obviously makes mathematical sense. What it means is they're only four points behind Hansa Rostock and six points behind Braunschweig. In, 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 In the strangest way... If you're just taking a sample of the last two games, only them and Kulzer have won their last two games. Everyone else has either had a win and a draw, a win and a defeat, two defeats. It's been an unbelievable rise. And maybe they they, they believe. Maybe there is a belief they can make it happen. Kaiserslautern away. And then Fortuna Dusseldorf at home. 
uh, before the break. Two very tough games. Another a big six-pointer coming up. And um, yeah, um, Fortuna, you know, still holding on to hope that they can have Stephen Bradbury into the playoff or even promotion. But, you know, really good result from, from Osnabrück. They obviously didn't have a lot of chances in the game. They had to defend. It was really sort of the embodiment of, of Koshinat football in the sense of, you know, we've got to be defensively stable. We've got to be tough, mentally strong. And um, they were. They held on and they were rewarded. A great result for, for, for Koshinat and Co. And maybe there's more to it. Um, for Hamburg. Now, I haven't written many notes for them for good reason. Because this was a game they should never have dropped. And they should have never been in the position to drop. But it was a lackluster performance. It just truly was. It just it beggars belief. And obviously it's going to take time with Baumgart. But he doesn't have much time to play with. We are we are entering the, the final stages of the season. That international break comes up against their, after they play Dusseldorf away and then Wiesbaden at home. We, we are entering the period where, you know, things have got to start clicking again. Unfortunately, we've seen this movie before. It doesn't matter who the manager is. What we do know, though, is that at some stage, this team is about to, is going to give away points against teams they should beat. And you just question, what is this team? We spoke about it at the start of the season, that this was a last dance type of team. That it would be very hard to see... Many of these players who have been here for a while coming back next season if they didn't gain promotion to the Bundesliga. Now they do sit third. Yes, they have a three-point gap to the chasing pack. But as we know in this league, that can immediately evaporate. These things can happen. But it was just disappointing. They were disappointing. And those games are massive coming up. They need results. It's just, yeah. Mind-blowing. They they were fortunate to be up a man and they still couldn't beat Osnabrück, who are the worst defensive team in the league. Well, they were the worst defensive team in the league. They're not now, but second worst. So, well, we're going to have to wait and see on them because it seems they haven't learned a thing. Let's take our first break and on the other side we'll discuss... Our Group 2 games, we're going to start at the Heinz von Heiden Arena when Hanover hosted Fortuna Dusseldorf. 2024 is here in full swing and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. It's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tamed. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim or that clean-shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code 2BundesligaPod for 20% off and free shipping. The ball has dropped, but don't drop the ball on your balls. Let's talk about the biggest two-way threat in world football. That's Manscaped's fifth-generation lawnmower. It's not just a trimmer, it's your grooming sidekick. Equipped with two skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking just a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. It's like having a personal stylus at your fingertips, or, well, wherever you need it. Did we mention it's waterproof? Because a trimmer in the shower is the only way to start the day. And for the men who want the full grooming experience, look no further than Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0. In this grooming kit, you get the trusted lawnmower, Manscaped's ear and nose hair trimmer, and essential aftercare products with a crop soother, ball aftershave lotion, and crop preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant. Yes, it's deodorant for your footies, bet you didn't think you needed that. As a gesture for the new year, they have even thrown in two free gifts, the Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag, because they know good and well you're still rocking your boxes from high school. Let's face it, resolutions might come and go, but a well-groomed you is here to stay, thanks to Manscaped. Remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 2BundesligaPod at manscaped.com. Embrace a new you, and definitely embrace a new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. Now, back to the podcast. Fortuna Dusseldorf were buoyed by securing their first victory of 2024 when they beat Hansa Rostock last time out, but a bigger test arose when they made the journey to Hanover on match day 24. 
Hanover were coming off a defeat last time out, a shock defeat at that against Osnabrück, but they felt confident that they could get back to the winning ways in front of their home crowd. 38,500 made their way to the Heinz von Heiden Arena on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It was beautiful for all but 10 minutes, then Fortuna Dusseldorf took the lead. Christos Solis with a sensational goal to beat Ron Robert Dealer. And if you thought you liked that, watch me go do it again. Solis scored a second goal for the game just seven minutes later. It's his 13th of the season. And Dusseldorf, who'd been, you know, on the back foot early, scoring twice from the opening two shots of the game. Hanover then really took control in ascendancy, but it didn't take until, it took until the 63rd minute for Hanover to get an equalizer when substitute Andreas Vogelsammer found a way to goal, his fourth of the campaign. Hanover threw the kitchen sink, everything, the cabinet, the kitchen itself, the bathroom, the bedroom, the whole house, the spare room, everything in between. And eventually, on 86 minutes, they found their equaliser. Cedric Toykert's hit and hope was deflected by Ayo Tanaka. And unfortunately for Florian Kastenmeier, who'd committed one way, the ball went the other. Hanover gets a point, an important point, given how result went, results went elsewhere. And it keeps them very much in the hunt to chase the leading chasers of Hamburg in third. We'll talk about Hanover first. We've said this all season long. And this game was the antithesis of the antithesis, I should say, of the development of this team. We've said it before and we'll say it again. Last season, this team does not get a result. It stays 2-0. It absolutely stays 2-0. And we're like, well, this is typical, you know, they haven't learned anything. Yada yada yada. But they plugged away. They weren't deterred from the fact that they were. Just an absolute calamity in, in, in providing efficiency for, for Fortuna Dusseldorf. But they plucked away. They kept at it as the game went went on. And they got a very justifiable result. In fact, they probably should have won this game. All things said and done. It was a fantastic... They were really good in this game. And look, just that sloppiness in the early phases. But they were very dominant. It was a very dominant performance. And, and arguably, the, the two-goal advantage really spurred them on to take a bit more control of the game and a, just being a bit more assertive than they had been previously. I really enjoyed Vogel Summer off the bench. That seems to be his role in this team. We've seen him play right back, which has been wild. He started a few games. But um, you know, he coming off the bench, it seems Toykert is going to be an off-the-bench operator now, despite being their... Uh, their top scorer this season. It seems Trizoldi and Nielsen are the, are, the, are the combination of choice for for Stefan Leitl. Obviously, they still are waiting for a bit more uh, wing support um, at fullback. Uh, but Maroya, good chance he comes back after the international break against Magdeburg. But a great result. It's a massive win for them. Well, sorry, it's a massive draw for them, I should say. But it will feel like a It'll, it'll feel like progression for them. For Fortuna Dusseldorf, yeah. Look, I felt for Tanaka, who who was inconsolable post-game and, and understandably, he's doing the right thing. He's just trying to intervene the shot, which didn't seem like the strongest of efforts from Toykett outside the box. And it's just one of those things that once it hits foot, it can go anywhere. Um... And yeah, it went everywhere. Interesting to see that he changed it up against Hune, opting for a front of Christoph Daferner leading the line. Maybe a bit of conservation for Vermeer. Oh, sorry, for Vermeer, who, who came on as a sub in this game. Didn't really have a lot of influence, uh, as, and neither did Daferner for that matter. Um, but this is, yeah, very similar to the Herter game in the sense that they had the lead and they lost it. But unlike the Hertz game, Hanover were the better team as as it progressed. And it just seemed as if um, Tune. I don't know if he was content with the two-goal lead, but obviously the football they were playing throughout the game wasn't particularly sustainable. It required them to remain super efficient, which they weren't able to continue. They had only one shot on target. 
um, after the second goal. And chances were quite low quality after those moments. So, you know, it's a big... For both teams in the end, if we're talking big picture, for Fortuna Dusseldorf, this hurts marginally marginally more. Um, Despite being four games unbeaten, you know, three draws and, and the solitary win last week, they are picking up points, which is great. Maybe they're thinking ahead of the Paul Carl game, which is in a month's time against Bayer Leverkusen, who knows. Um, but yeah, both teams will be upset that they couldn't close the gap to to that top three. They're close, though. They're in that, that real competitive group of teams that could make things happen. Just a question of, of um, if rather than when. So, yeah. Uh, Hamburg next on the card for Fortuna. That's a World Feed game. Then at Osnabrück, and when they return on Easter Saturday, they are playing... Kaiserslautern away. Hmm, interesting. Uh, for Hanover, Wiesbaden away, then home to Kaiserslautern. And as we touched on before, uh, Magdeburg away from uh, in return from the final international break of the season. Let's go to Karlsruhe. Karlsruhe hosted Greuther Fürth. Karlsruhe won four goals to nil last time out away at Kaiserslautern. What did they do? They scored in the first half, then a three-pack in the second was enough to see them beat their their rivals. Fürth, on the other hand, well, they won last week, but they've been largely unimpressive. Um, prior to that win, they'd lost three on the bounce. They were hoping to avoid returning to that form. Well, nothing. some people like to use the adage, if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything. But I guess the one comment you can have on first, they were awful in this game. In fact, they may have been better not turning up. Quality of chances were quite low. Um, despite having some good chances, they just were you know, really poor in the game. Um, just yeah, there's not a lot I can add on for. I'm not. I'm not going to currently give you much match analysis, but defensively they were terrible. So often were, um, for a were, were Karlsruhe able to just walk through them, and four nil ended up being the final result for Furt in defeat. Uh, two goals for Igor Matonovic, and then a double for substitute Fabian Schleusner, who came on. Um, he scored twice in the space of. Four minutes. The, the Matonovic goals. Matonovic could have had a trick in this game. He could have scored four. The four nil result is is unbelievably flattering for for Greta Fürth. They were that bad. It, it it was arguably one of their worst performances of the season. I think even worse than the performance they produced against Hertha um, earlier on in the season, where they were beaten five goals to nil. Um, and the, and the numbers don't lie. You know. The lack of quality up front from Fürth. Um, and Zorniger's just, yeah, they, they were all at sea defensively. It didn't seem like they were ever comfortable with what they were doing. Um, even making some substitutions at halftime actually didn't make anything better um, for Fürth. But um, for, for Karlsruhe, as we mentioned before um, in Group 1, when we're talking about Osnabrück, the only two sides to win back-to-back games over the last couple of match days. Um, but perhaps it is the year of Igor. We're talking Igor Matanovic. He's got 10 goals this season. He's Karlsruhe's leading goal scorer. But uh, he's really got it going in the Rook Runda. Six goals um, in 2024, including two braces. One against Fürth and the other was against Hamburg. Which obviously means great news for Eintracht Frankfurt because, of course, he is on loan. Uh, until the end of the season. Of course, we've mentioned they were the only team in the top half to win on match day 24. And it just, they're, they're sort of detached, but they're very close to being amongst those teams of Hanover, Fürth, Paderborn and Dusseldorf that are in the chasing peloton, uh, giving a good run at the breakaway, being Hamburg, Kiel, maybe not St. Pauli, but Kiel and Hamburg are very much in that those Gettable positions, shall we say. It is actually amazing that they didn't win by more. I mean, Marvin Vanitek missed a penalty. He also had a wide-open chance, which he he skied out of the stadium. And look, I'm not going to give Vanitek too much grief. We know how much of a great player he's been for Karlsruhe for so long. 
these games happen. But uh, luckily for him, Matanovic was able to pick up the slack. Schleusner was um, the beneficiary of some pretty ordinary defending late in the piece from, from Fürth. And um, a fantastic result for them. It makes that game against Kiel on Saturday really interesting. Um, two teams that have a lot to play for. And, and if Karlsruhe can snatch a win there and results be a bit favourable, they could be very much in the mix for um, a sneaky chance at the playoff. It, there's still obviously lots of season to go, but they are doing quite well. They've got Magdeburg at home after that and then at Schalke coming back from the international break for Fürth. They've got Elversberg who are in a bit of a, a downturn of form of late. Then uh, that game against Hansa Rostock away is a massive game for them, but also for Hansa, given their predicaments at the moment. Uh, also, they've got Hamburg on the return from the international break. And lastly, in Group 2, we're going to head to the Max Morlock Stadion. It's Nuremberg against Eintracht Braunschweig. Nuremberg have been quite topsy-turvy of recent and looking for stability, not just draws, but they must improve. They were disappointing in their result in the end uh, to lose to... Grotefurt, granted they were down to 10 men in that game. So they needed to restore a bit of pride amongst their fans. Braunschweig, of course, well, they were looking to return to winning ways after a draw last time out and the defeat at Schalke. They had to keep the pressure on. They must extend the gap to avoid facing automatic relegation. It did not start well for, for Braunschweig. They conceded early. Uh, an excellent free kick from Eric Vakessa finding Sebastian Anderson. And Anderson gets his second goal in consecutive games. See, Vakessa has reintegrated himself into the starting lineup. We've seen Okunuki coming off the bench. But Vakessa does have that set piece ability. We know he's got a pretty wicked left foot. And it was a fantastic ball into the box. Then a penalty was given um, against Braunschweig for handball. I couldn't. With the pictures they were showing, and maybe they had better pictures available, um, I'm not so certain that that uh, was handball. I can't tell. Like honestly, I you know can't say I've got the best eyesight in the world, but I'm not entirely convinced that Don Cor handled the ball there. Um, it seemed pretty stiff. Penalty given. Urzan steps up, and the we assume at some stage, um, potentially Turkish international. Now he's picked Turkey over Germany. He scores from the spot. 12th goal of the campaign for him in what has been a stellar uh, debut. Spider Bundesliga season. Um, fantastic. But Braunschweig were great in the second half. They were good early on in the second half and they were rewarded just 13 minutes in. A fantastic chip from Ryan Philippe. His fourth goal of the campaign just beautiful real delicate maneuver klaus was coming out and uh yeah great bit of finesse fantastic but they couldn't find an equalizing goal in a game that started to peter out a little bit um a bad result in the end for Braunschweig, two on defeat on a match day where Wiesbaden, schalke kaiserslautern and even osnabrück won they were one of two sides in that mix that didn't take three points and that's a crucial blow to them it means they drop back down to 16th place in the relegation zone, uh, relegation playoff spot, which is quite the precarious situation. As we know, Spider Bundesliga teams in the relegation playoffs, it is not a good mix. And if the season was to end today, they would be playing Dynamo Dresden. Wow. Amazing. Ulm and Jan Regensburg would be going up. What a season. Prussian Munster, fourth. Wow. How exciting. Unless you're a team in that area. That's not doing so well. Um, but yeah, for Braunschweig, it's a big missed opportunity. We know how this team is set up. We, we, we had Kivy on a few weeks ago. They, they, they like to play in front, have the competitive advantage, because then it allows them to use the pace, the counter-attacking ability that this team has. But when they've gone behind in a few games, and we've seen that they just don't have, they just don't have it. They don't have the it factor to find a way. And as a result catch-up is what they are playing for Nuremberg. Massive result for them. Um, it breaks that winless run. It gives them a buffer. They're now nine points ahead of Braunschweig in that playoff spot. 11 points ahead of Hansa. And if you're being really cynical about it, they're eight points away from the promotional playoff uh, with Hamburg. So, yeah, they've, they have, um, if memory serves me correct, they have actually eclipsed the amount of goals they scored last season which was 32. Um, 
in this game. They've, they've managed to eclipse it. Defensively, it's still suspect. We saw that throughout the game, but they held on to get a result. Let's see what they do at Magdeburg, then St. Pauli at home before the break. Uh, for Braunschweig, they've got that massive six-pointer on Friday night against Hansen Rostock before traveling to Paderborn uh, before the break. Let's take our final break of this week's episode. And on the other side, we're going to discuss our Group 3 games. Uh, we are going to start at the Ostsee Stadion when Hansa Rostock hosted Kaiserslautern. After the disaster at the Betze last time out, Kaiserslautern needed a massive response. Their opponents, Hansa Rostock, were in similar stead. Both teams needed to win with the knowledge that getting out of the relegation zone was a priority when the two sides met on match day 24. But at least one team recognised that there was in fact a game to be played. That was Kaiserslautern, who were brilliant, dominant and deserving of the three points that they took from Rostock. It's easy when the notes suggest that there's only one goal scorer, and there was. Ragnar Ake scored a hat-trick, a brilliant hat-trick, and a much-needed one for Kaiserslautern. In a match where anything went, they were so much on top of um, of Hansa. Uh, the 3-0 scoreline was certainly a, um, a flattering result for Hansa. Granted, Hansa were down to 10 men midway through the first half when Oliver Husing collected his second yellow card. Uh, for a pretty terrible tackle in the end. But of course, uh, he also saw the brunt of that tackle that he produced um, with injury. There's probably a lot more to be said about how great Marcus Kolka was in this game because the 3-0 scoreline, as mentioned before, was definitely uh, and could have easily been a lot more than it was all told. But it's definitely a message was sent by the Rostock Ultras um, who basically left. A good majority of them just walked out of the stadium, or at least hid somewhere, um, guarding the exits. I don't know what was going on, but that whole Kurva area uh, looked very vacant. Uh, and that was a fair response because they were awful in this game. They were absolutely just a non-factor. The first half was terrible. And, um, you know, it's hard to come back from those kinds of performances. They are very much entrenched in the relegation battle, as we know. And yes, despite being only three points behind Kaiserslautern, who now move out of the bottom three, it looks dire. They're winless in their last five. And the decision to go for Merced Selenbegovic is proving to be a very bad one. If we're taking it on face value, it hasn't worked. They, they, they play very uninspired football, which we have come to understand from his time as coach of Jan Regensburg. And this team needs not only an intervention, but they need a change, potentially a change of personnel. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were to, to be so brazen. But of course, he has a contract until 2025. But uh, in, this, in the opening seven matches, one win, two draws from those performances. They've scored a measly five goals. And it's uh, another game that they have failed to score in. That's four of the seven games, um, three of which have led to defeat. Uh, ultimately, um, this is a team that is very much staring down the barrel of relegation. And, and um, things, until things change, it's going to be very difficult to see how they get out of it. This is why that game on Friday night against Eintracht Braunschweig is a massive game for them. It is going to be a difficult game, given how Braunschweig can can manoeuvre things. But just given the way Rostock are playing, they, they, they're they playing like a team that is defeated. And that promotion seems a mile away. Oh, sorry, really, survival is a mile away. Uh, we'll see how they go against Braunschweig, then against Greta Fürth at home before the break. Kaiserslautern, they've got Osnabrück at home in, another, in a massive six-pointer at the Betze before a trip back north to Hanover. Now let's talk about Paderborn against Magdeburg. Uh, these two teams played on Sunday afternoon. This game was a nil-nil in the end. Uh, one of the biggest crowds they've had at the Home Deluxe Arena, just over fifteen and a half thousand. Understandably, we could un you could as a as a football tactical uh, 
Tactico, I should say. Um, yeah, you would want to see a Kwasniok versus Teets battle, so the real, real culture choices there. But um, look, a tough game for Magdeborg. They really struggled to get things going throughout the matchup. Um, they, it was a funny game for them. They really struggled to build up from the back. I thought Paderborn's pressing was quite impressive. Man, that somehow worked. Um, but they had some really weird moments in the first half. Namely, Dominic Ryman um, almost conceded a goal from a throw-in. Uh, which was one of the a defensive throw-in at that. Where he tries to let the ball run on. And it just sort of squeezes past him. And luckily it hits the side netting. And then he had an effort where... He was under no pressure to clear, and he punted it behind himself for a corner. Um, strange. They flirted with danger all match, did Magdeborg, and really just that inability to get to make the most of their quality chances, Paderborn, proved to be detrimental for Lucas Kwasniak's side, who ultimately feel like they should have won this game, and I tend to agree they were the better team. Um, even when Magdeborg went down to 10 men, when Lucas Schuler was sent off... Um, it felt like they should have um, got more out of the game. In my opinion, I, I think they were the better team. They defended well to, to limit Magdeburg to, to really one decent opportunity. And, and even that opportunity was was pretty tame effort in the end. Um, but a good... Res- yeah, I, like had Paderborn won on the weekend, they would be fourth on 40 points and they would be pressing Hamburg and they would have abridged the gap. Instead, they're sixth. Look, they've won three of their last five games. They're one of the better teams form-wise in the division. In fact, they are the form team in the division if we're, if we can, if our math is good, which is not too bad. Uh, them and Hanover have, um, have accumulated the most points with 10 out of a possible 15. So Paderborn are at Schalke, which will be a really good test for them. Um, should be a really interesting game. How that pans out. Then they've got Braunschweig at home before the break. Magdeburg, as we've mentioned, they've got Nuremberg at home before a trip to Karlsruhe on Sunday afternoon. That Nuremberg game is the top game. So it's a late Saturday night kickoff, 8.30 local time. Um, that should be an interesting game. And lastly, let's talk about Elversberg and VNV Spaden. 8,000 made their way to the Urs, oh, the, the Kinderlinde, the Kaiserlinde. Um, and a surprisingly lackluster Elversberg in this game, uh, succumbing to defeat 3 0 4. The visitors, a massive win for Marcus Kalczynski's side, and, and some real individual quality in all three goals. Uh, the first one was Wiesbaden catching Elversberg on the break. Timan Gopel, who is absolutely rapid, essentially just ran through everyone. Rounded the goalkeeper even for good measure and a tidy finish. Hyunju Lee with a sensational goal from outside the box. It was an absolute perler. Real technique into the top corner. And then John Iredale scoring his first goal for the new year. Um, patience. He showed great patience in, in in once he received the ball. And once he found an avenue to goal, he hit it first time. And it was a sensational hit at that. In what has been a very good week for Wiesbaden, um, Florian Stritzel extending his contract in midweek, and now they are six points ahead of Eintracht Braunschweig in that playoff spot. It's a massive win for them, um, you know, given that their, their recent run of winlessness. Um, it now puts them in a, at least a position to make things happen. Um, and especially, as we've said throughout this episode, how important it was for them to win given the results around them. Had they lost this game, they would be very much flirting with danger. They would be 14th and only three points ahead of Braunschweig. So an important win uh, for them. And and look, the, the game plan was really, as you would expect, they sat back, they let Elversberg control the ball. And when they won the ball, Wiesbaden just went. They used their quicker players, and they took advantage. The second goal was was actually them having the possession deep into the forward into the final third, and and a fantastic finish by Lee. But the other two goals came from transitional plays. Um, we know they like to get Gopal out in space, and fairly so. That guy, you know, shows he's got plenty of pace to burn. And um, yeah, it was just one of those games where where Kalchinski just outmaneuvered Stefan a little bit, and 
you know, they were super efficient in the final third. They could have easily scored a few more. Um, you know, FODMOB had them with three big chances missed. Um, but ultimately, a fantastic result for for Vayan, um to, to get one over a team that, of course, won the Dritter Liga last season. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive result for Wiesbaden, especially given their next two games heading into the break. They've got Hanover at home and then an away trip to Hamburg. That's two really difficult fixtures. And in, in a situation where they are looking to get away from the relegation zone and do what they haven't done the last couple of times they've been in the Zweite Bundesliga, which is survive, uh, these are some massive games coming up. They also have Osnabrück on the way uh, out of the international break, which will also be a massive game. For Elversburg, they had like one good spell, which was midway through the first half to half time, but they never it never felt like they really dominated the game. Yeah, they had a lot of the ball, but they didn't re- weren't really doing a lot with it. I thought Wiesbaden defended them quite well and made it very difficult for them to break down. Defensively, they got caught out in transition a bit. They like to be aggressive, um, as we know, um, but ultimately it became their downfall. So they've got three big games coming up as well. Fear away should be an interesting as both teams fell quite heavily. Then Kiel at home before the break. It will be quite a fascinating uh, contest those two will be and how Elversburg find a way back to, to winning form after, again, another slump, two consecutive defeats for Horst Steffen's side. Whew. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Thank you for listening and being a part of it. If you are enjoying the Spider Bundesliga podcast, leave us a review on whatever platform that you uh, are listening to. Uh, all the feedback, whether good or negative, is uh, is greatly appreciated to helping the podcast be the best it can be. Uh, we'll be back next week to discuss all of the action from Match Day 25. We hope you have, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time when the Spider Bundesliga returns.